All right, so um, as the video kind of showed there, we are uh, finishing off this morning this series together for Washington. And here at Connect, this is how um, we tend to teach, unless there's a special kind of one-off um, service, we, uh, we tend to teach in what we call series. So we'll follow a series, and maybe there'll be four, five, six weeks of a series. And, and what that means is that every week, I get to sit down, and uh, I get to kind of work on the message for the following Sunday. I get to kind of pray and just really structure and uh, lay down in words the thoughts, and I believe God is kind of laid on my heart for that particular Sunday. But prior to that, I'll have sat down sometimes with others to help me and will have come up with the idea of the entire series so there'll be a framework in place. So even though that Sunday's message is kind of unique, I know where I'm headed. I know that I've already kind of mapped out that series. And this series, Together for Washington, was no different. Before we started this vision several weeks ago, I knew leading into this series that each week would be very unique. We would follow some kind of pattern over that four or five week period. I knew that in this series, um, I'd be sharing some, some biblical principles on generosity. I knew that due to the nature of the series, we would be talking about what Jesus has to say about giving and about money and about uh, eternal difference our giving can make. I knew I'd be talking about what it's like to be able to give back to a God who's given so much to us. I knew that this series would be unique in that some of the weeks I'd be talking about some very practical things that I wouldn't normally speak about in sermons. Practical things like this building that we have uh, had the opportunity to purchase. The practical idea of how much it's going to cost to buy and renovate that building. Some practical things like what it's going to take to make that happen. The timeline how we're going to raise the money to help offset the cost of that, that entire um, purchase and renovation of the building. I knew that in this series I'd be sharing some stories. I knew that throughout the series I would be kind of reminding us why it is that we feel this building is a great next step for us to continue to further our vision, to connect our community to Christ. I knew I'd be telling stories about lives that have been changed in the years since we've begun as a church. I knew I'd share stories about the lives that are still to be changed. I knew that through the series, I'd be sharing some stories about uh, people who have given and the difference it's made in their lives when they've chosen to, to step out and, and give to God. What I didn't know when I set out to, to structure this series weeks ago is what I'd be talking about this morning. Because I knew that everything leading up to last Sunday would build to what was last Sunday, our commitment Sunday. So I didn't know what I'd be speaking on this morning. I didn't know if my message was going to be, well, we tried hard. God's still good. He's faithful. You know, we didn't quite meet our goal. We, we missed it by miles, but we still love Jesus, and we're okay. You know, these are, this is the man of faith stood on the platform in front of you. You know, some of the thoughts going through his, his head. I didn't know if the series would, be, would end with this morning some kind of teaching on the lines of, wow, that was close. We just barely scraped. We, we, we did it, but only just. I didn't know that on this final Sunday of the series, the title of my message would just simply be, wow. Wow. God is so amazing. It is just incredible to have seen what's been happening over these last few weeks. 
I've got to be honest, I have to say that last weekend was probably one of the most incredible weekends of my ministry life. And I want to share, I've decided that because I hadn't really decided for sure what I was going to speak on today because I knew so much of it would hinge on what happened last weekend, I've decided now to wrap up this series together for Washington. I want to talk to you this morning about what God has taught me because he's taught me a lot. I've learned so much about this incredible God who we serve, this incredible God who loves us so much and has such a wonderful plan for our lives. And I've learned so much about him and about me through this series. And last weekend in particular just blew me away. We came into last Sunday with a huge pledge already from some of our leaders, which in and of itself had just blown me away. And then in both services, I got to sit here on the front row with Casey as we filled out our commitment cards, just watching people stream forward, putting their commitment cards in this basket. It was such a moving moment for me to see so many of you say, we believe in what God's doing here through this church. We believe that our best days are yet to come. We believe that God has got some incredible plans for the future, and we want to help make that possible. We want to be a part of that. We believe that God is on the move, and we want to be on the move with him. And you came forward, and you put commitment cards in the basket. If you weren't here last week, the people that committed, they took a stone out of this, uh, this jar here next to them. Is it a jar case? What is that? Sure. She goes, yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't think it's a jar, but <laughs> anyhow. <laughs> in England, it is. So... Um, You can listen to last week's message online if you want, but we talked all about Joshua and this um, moment when they crossed the Jordan and they set these rocks to remember what God had done. So we said, take a rock this morning, take a stone to remind you. So if you did make a commitment this morning and you weren't here last week, or if you made one during the week and you weren't here last week, grab a stone before you go. You are now a part of something much bigger than all of us. And I want this stone to sit somewhere special in your home or your office and remind you of how great God is and what he wants to do in our lives. Our goal was to see 115 individuals or couples or families make commitments. And at this point, at this point, we are at 137 pledges. That's incredible. So while we were hoping that 115 individuals, couples, families would get on board, 137 of you did. That's 20% more than we expected. That just blew me away. It just showed that God is so much bigger than what I, <laughs> than what I know. And now we've been able to tally up all those numbers, and we've got a grand total of what's been pledged. And I bet you're dying to know that number, right? Well, before this service is over, I'm going to tell you But I know you won't pay attention to me if I tell you now. So for now, let me talk for a few minutes about what God has taught me through this. (laughs) So one of my favorite verses, one of my favorite verses um, is when uh, a guy by the name of Paul, who wrote a large part of the New Testament, 
He was a, um, an amazing story of his life because he hadn't always been a follower of Jesus. He, he actually was a persecutor of Jesus. He used to persecute the Christians. And then he had this encounter with Jesus one day uh, on the road to, to Damascus, and it just changed his life forever. And he went from being somebody who hated Christians to somebody who, who proclaimed the word of Jesus everywhere he went and is now responsible for writing most of the New Testament. He wrote to a church in Ephesus. And uh, I love this verse because it's not even a verse that he wants them to really fully understand. It's not like... Okay, there's this incredible, powerful um, theology that I want to get across. He's praying a prayer. He's writing out this prayer to the church in Ephesus. And as he's finishing off the prayer, it's like his closing statement of the prayer. He's just kind of just wrapping up this prayer. And he uses this phrase that just jumps out of the page at you. And I love it. It's such a great phrase. So in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, as he gets towards the end of this prayer, right before he says amen, he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So this is just basically his closing statement of this prayer to this church in Ephesus. But listen to that phrase. He says, God is able to do immeasurably more that we could ever ask or imagine. Just let that sink in for a moment, because Paul is talking about Jesus, who he's met personally, God, who he has this strong relationship with, and now he's telling the Christians, the followers of Jesus in Ephesus, do you know God is able to do immeasurably more than you can ever ask or imagine? I can imagine quite a lot. I really can, and yet God is able to do immeasurably more. It's amazing. Now, last weekend and this following week leading up to this morning, he's done just that. And I really shouldn't have been surprised. I was. But I really shouldn't have been surprised because I've seen God work before in my life. I actually told someone this story last Sunday in the foyer. I said, you think I'd know by now after what happened with my cat in 2012? So for those of you who have not heard the cat story, you're going to get to hear it now. So in 2012, uh, six years ago, we have two cats. One belongs to Ben, one belongs to Will. Will's cat got out. They're indoor cats. They don't go out. And somehow he got out of the house. She got out of the house. Uh, We didn't notice till the next morning. So now 12 hours have passed and this cat is nowhere to be found. Will is all over the neighborhood. He's looking for this cat. He's calling her. He's making posters, putting them up at stop signs all around Trails Edge. Like if you were alive, or if you were alive, if you lived, you may, hopefully you're alive. In 2012, you were driving through 2012 and you remember seeing some, that was our cat. He loved that cat. He was desperate to get that cat back. Every night before bed, we would pray for that cat. Jesus, please bring Izzy home. That was the prayer request every night of bedtime. Every night. Week one. Week two, week three, week four. Jesus, please bring Izzy home. So one night, Casey's not home. I'm home alone with the kids, and I put Ben and Will to bed, and I go up and we say our prayers and pray with the boys. Hey, guys, anything you want to pray for? Four weeks, the cat's been gone. If you're a parent here this morning, you know what the deal is with this cat, okay? Four weeks, that cat's not coming back. (laughs) So being the kind, loving father that I am, I thought it was time to break this news to Will. Will, we're not praying for Izzy anymore. She's gone. (laughs) 
We'll be doing a parenting series pretty soon here, and uh, we'll have a guest speaker every week. Um, it's like 10.30 when Casey gets home. She comes down, she goes, <laughs> check on the kids, she comes down, she goes, what did you say to Will? She goes, he's still awake upstairs, so upset because you wouldn't pray for Izzy. I'm like, Case, the cat's not coming back. She goes, you don't tell him that. You keep praying and praying. So we prayed and prayed. Ten Ten weeks later, guess who shows up? I am not kidding. We have the... We... We have the Bear grills of the cat world. She had somehow survived in the wild for 10 weeks. I say the wild, it's like trail's edge. It's not, it's not really the Amazon. But uh, somehow, and I have a feeling that someone in the neighborhood was just feeding her and one day she got away. But um, somehow, this neighbor found Izzy. We were actually in England at the time, and we get this text from Casey's sister, Izzy's being found. I mean, Will was over the moon. Were we able to get the picture? Into There it is. That is a screenshot from the video the day Will was reunited with Izzy. You think I would have learned that weekend that God is amazing. Ten weeks later, that guy was praying for Izzy, and she came back. God wants to do miraculous things in our lives. God wants to answer our prayers and do incredible things. But I got a confession to make. Even after that stinking cat came back, (laughs) I found myself on the Friday morning of Commitment Sunday. So last weekend, I was, I kid you not, I'm sat in my chair praying. I I, I sit in this chair every morning, I pray and... um, as I'm praying, I'm like, God, this weekend's a really big weekend, and I just pray, God, we've been talking about this for many weeks now, and you've, you've spoken to people's hearts, and I know that they're excited about this, and um, God, I really hope that we, we make our goal. Our goal was $700,000 to raise 115 people to be a part. God, please, move in people's hearts. And, and as I'm praying, I've got my phone on my lap with the calculator open, and I'm running the numbers, and I can't get it to work. <laughs> I'm doing averages. I'm like, God, I can't figure out how we're going to do this. I promise you, this is the thoughts going through my mind. And in that moment, sat in my chair, I felt like God said to me, if you could figure it out, you wouldn't need me. If you could figure it out, you wouldn't need me. And I remember this is the God who can do immeasurably more than I can ever ask or imagine. And I shut down the calculator and I started to pray. You see, I've learned even more during this journey that God is wanting to amaze us. He's wanting to bring us to a place in our lives where we will say it could only have been God. There is no other way of explaining it. I believe that God wants to use this experience of how we've seen him provide and we've just seen this amazing uh, response from all of you to remind some of you this morning that he is still that miracle-working God that we'll never be able to figure out. In the same way that you've been amazed and you'll be amazed this morning as we share where we're at financially, he wants to amaze you in your life. He wants to amaze you with a health situation or a job situation or a house situation or a relationship situation, whatever it is that you're going through right now and you're praying and you're trying to figure it out and you're trying to work it out, God wants to amaze you. I believe that God wants to amaze you like he amazed me last week, that he wants to do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine. I actually spoke about this. Here's the crazy thing. 
So here's me going into last weekend full of faith. I'd spoken about this the week before in a worship night. I talked about how God is a God who wants to amaze us, who wants to surprise us, who wants his name to be glorified. I talked about a man by the name of Gideon. I said, God is the God of the miracle stories, not just the underdog stories, the miracle stories. We love stories of underdogs, don't we? We love the the underdog story. I grew up in England, so I don't know these as well, but I I researched American underdog stories, and these were some of the ones I came up with. The USA beating Russia at ice hockey in the 1980 Olympics. That just was like, they weren't destined to win, and suddenly these, these college players, they weren't professional hockey players, they beat the Russians, the mighty Russians. Maybe in 1990, you remember that Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson. He was the 42 to 1 underdog to win that fight. And he beat Mike Tyson. Just a few years ago in 2015, a lady by the name of Holly Holm defeats Ronda Rousey in the UFC fight. Rousey had dominated her last three fights, winning them in, now get this, this is Rousey, okay, she's up against, she'd won them in 34, 16, and 14 seconds. This is a pretty tough girl right here, okay? And this Holly Holm comes in, knocks her out in the second round with the kick that was heard around the world. And these have been described in sports realms as miracle stories, but the reality is, yes, I mean, it was a great story, but was it a miracle? Was it really a miracle? I mean, yes, Buster Douglas defeated Tyson, but he was a boxer, okay? So yes, he wasn't meant to win, and he was maybe the, not the favorite, but he was still doing what he trained to do. He was still doing what he was very capable of doing. He was still doing what he knew how to do. He was a boxer. Now, if Holly Holm had beat Mike Tyson, now that would be a story. <laughs> that, you could say, was pretty miraculous. What about if Buster Douglas single-handedly beat the entire Russian Olympic ice hockey team? Now, that's a story. <laughs> Okay, that's a miracle. That's not just an underdog. That's a miracle story. And that's exactly what happened to this guy called Gideon. You see, Gideon, we learn about in the Old Testament, God has selected him to to defeat this army, this, um, this enemy of Israel called the Midianites. Now, the fact that he chose Gideon is the story all in itself because he was the weakest and the smallest and least likely to lead an army into battle. But God chose Gideon and his army of 32,000 men. Okay, so Gideon had a pretty sizable army, 32,000 men. But the Midianites, who they're going up against, 135,000 people. 135,000. This would have been a great underdog story. God would have got so much glory from this because, man, 32,000 beat 135,000. That's like four to one odds and they still won. That would be the Buster Douglas, Holly Holmes story of the day. But you see, God wasn't wanting an underdog story. God was wanting a miracle story. God doesn't want to just be, oh yeah, that's cool, but he wants it to be amazing. So listen to what happened. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid, they may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 left to fight. I just picture that conversation between God and Gideon. He's like, listen, you got too many. Send home the ones who are scared. Gideon's like, okay, I can do that. I bet there's a couple of hundred out there, a little bit nervous, and uh, I'm all right if they go. And then he just watches As one after one, 22,000 leave. He's like, now I'm scared. (laughs) 
I was a little bit scared before. I'm very, I'm not even going to do the scared thing again because the rest will leave. I mean, look, now there's only 10,000 of them. But it turns out that 10,000 versus 135,000, it was still a little too much for God. Still a little bit too much underdog and not enough miracle. So in verse 4, the Lord told Gideon, there are still too many. <laughs> yeah. Bring them down to the spring and I'll test them to determine who's with you and who's not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths to the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send everyone else all 9,700 of them home. 300 men. 300 men versus 135,000. That's not underdog. That's impossible. Those odds don't work. That's not Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson. That's Buster Douglas and the entire Russian hockey team. This is impossible. But listen to what God did. Gideon split his men into three groups of a hundred, and under the cover of darkness, they crept into the Midianite camp. In verse 19, it was just after midnight, after the change of the guard, when Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly, they blew the ram's horns and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands, and they all shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the, when the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. That day, those 300 men miraculously defeated 135,000 Midianite soldiers. It just doesn't make sense. But that's the kind of God we serve. Every time we try and figure it out, every time we try and say, but God, on paper, I can't make 300 beat 135,000. I was sat in my chair with my calculator doing the average. Well, if someone gives this and someone gives this, and on average, everyone gives this, I can't make it work. And God said, if you could figure it out, you wouldn't need me. And I think God is speaking to all of us through this process. This is more than just a capital campaign. This is more than just raising money for a new building. This is a point in the history of Connect that we will look back and remember that we can't figure this out, but somehow, miraculously, God did it. And remembering the miracle working power of God, you'll do better than me, because I saw this six years ago with the cats, and I've already forgotten it. You'll do better than me. You'll remember that this is still the same God that wants to work miracles in your life as well. So what did happen last week? <laughs> like I said, we had two goals. We wanted to see 115 people, families, couples participate. We saw 137. That's fantastic. That's just uh, amazing. Our goal was to reach $700,000 in pledges. And this is just still unbelievable <laughs> because I knew what the number was coming up here on the stage this morning. And just since this morning, and people here this morning who have filled out commitment cards, that number has changed. 
So fortunately, our guys are able to update uh, our slides back there. And as of this morning, the number we've had pledged over the next three years is $993,000 and $98. I just can't figure that out. is saying that's exactly why because I want this story to be told for years and years and years to come of how miraculous God is thank you every single one of you that's a part of this I still can't figure this out but I know this I know that in verse 2 we read that the Lord said to Gideon you have too many warriors with you and listen to what he said If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they save themselves by their own strength. I don't think we're ever going to be able to say, look at what we did. (laughs) Because while we did do this, we could not have done this without God. This is truly a miraculous um, time in the life of Connect Church. And it's incredible to see what God is doing. I don't think he's finished yet. Just so you fully understand the importance of that number, and that is just still, um, (laughs) that's just a a bigger number than what I came up to on the stage this morning. It's just amazing. Our goal was to raise 700,000 because we felt like that's what we, we could accomplish. Obviously, God knew that he had a much more exciting plan in mind. Our goal was actually 1.4 million. That's the cost of buying and uh, renovating this building. That number gets us so close that I, I'm so excited because I know we're going to move into this new location. And we may end up paying less in a mortgage payment on the remainder of that balance than we currently pay in rent for the school and the Connect Center. That's incredible. And here's why I'm so excited, because every penny less is a penny that we can then spend on ministry, on staff, on on reaching more people, on connecting our community to Christ. It frees us up to be able to do so more and see so many more lives changed. As we move into this next chapter, I know that we will never look back and say, look at what we did. We'll just always say, look at what God did. I was reflecting on it just this week. I was actually sat in that building getting my oil changed. Because <laughs> currently, that building is uh, Ufterings. They are renting that space at the moment. And I was sat there getting my oil changed. Funny story, it was May the 1st I was getting my oil changed because I went in on April the 30th. Uh, with a coupon that expired on April the 30th. And I said to the guy, hey, can I get my oil changed? He goes, we've got no appointments today. And I'm like, oh. I said, well, if I come back tomorrow, can you still honor the coupon? And um, he said, ah, and he's kind of arming and thinking about it. And the guy that registered next to me goes, oh, I think we can, because that's the guy that owns the building. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make something clear this morning. I don't own that building, and I don't own this church, okay? There's a lot of misunderstanding being spread here. If you hear a while back, we had a guest speaker who uh, happened to mention that his dad owns the church. I don't own the church, and I don't own that building. But I sat there while my all was being changed, just, just thanking God at a number that was lower than that. I'm thinking, God, in a year from now, 
we will be underway. We'll be redoing this particular building in 18 months. I'll be here on a Sunday morning sharing the word of God. We'll be telling stories of what God is doing. And that is so exciting. And do you know what else I was reflecting on that morning? It wasn't the number that was pledged. It was the number of people who committed. The 137 of you who said, we're in. See, God has given me this amazing vision and passion and desire to see uh, what he wants to do here at Connect. And as a leader, it's my hope and prayer that you are all as excited about it as I am. But really, you're all very nice and you smile on a Sunday. But I'm never 100% sure. In fact, there's a phrase, you may have heard this, if you think you're leading and no one is following, then you're only taking a walk. (laughs) And up until last Sunday, I was wondering, I wonder if I'm just out for a walk (laughs) or if people are really (laughs) seeing what I see that God wants to do here. And last week, seeing 137 showed me, yes, people get it. People understand what God is doing. People want to be a part of this journey. And here's how it just really sunk in last Sunday. I need to sit down one day and write down all of these stories of what God has done during this time. Because this text will definitely be in that that memoir, that journal entry. Because last Sunday I sat here with Casey and I watched friends and you guys and people I know, people whose stories I know, people I know who've grown up in church all their lives, people I know who are brand new in their relationship with Jesus, coming forward and putting cards in the basket saying, I'm in. There was one guy, a friend of mine, and I saw that he put the card in the basket. And then that afternoon, he sent me this text. Talking about services, my friend and I looked at each other during service and knew that this new building would be the location where our daughters would get married. And being a part of that is something so incredible. His daughters are seven and five. (laughs) They're actually some of my main suppliers of thin mint cookies. They, they know exactly where I live and they're there every year and I spend a fortune. <laughs> this guy and his friends were committed to something that they see in the future. They're like, this is something that we're going to be a part of for years to come. We're, we're excited that one day our daughters will get married in this building. I had an email this week from a lady. She, she, she emailed in and she said, I wasn't there Sunday, but I want you to count me in. Here's my pledge. This is what me and my husband want to do. They've got an 18-month-old daughter. They said, we're excited to be a part of this journey. We know this new facility is where our daughter will begin her relationship with Jesus. I think for me, that will be, the numbers will be fantastic. But for me, what I will remember most outside of just how amazing God is, is how it was a time in the history of Connect where all of us could see into the future of what God had in store. And we said, we want to be a part of that. We want to be a part of changing our community. We want to be a part of seeing our lives and our families' lives changed through what God wants to do and what he's still going to do through Connect Church. So as we close out this series this morning, I'm going to pray and I'm going to thank this amazing God who continues to do immeasurably more than this guy could ever ask or imagine. Let's pray. Father, We shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be surprised. This morning we took communion to remember the fact that as a father, a loving father, you weren't even willing to hold back your son because you loved us so much. 
You knew the only way for our relationship with us, with you to be restored, was to, to sacrifice, to give up your one and only son. And you gave that. You gave him for us. So we shouldn't be surprised, Lord, that you want to give so much in our lives. Lord, last weekend, this total this morning, how many families have pledged, how much we've seen committed financially, Lord, this just blows me away. But God, you are the God who wants to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. We truly are grateful. And just like the army, the battle that Gideon fought, there was never an Israelite who looked back and said, well, maybe we were just stronger. Maybe we were just better soldiers. Maybe we just you know, got the edge. We surprised them. The reality was when the 300 are up against the 135,000, that's not an underdog story. That's a miracle story. Lord, when we look at these numbers of commitments and what the total is financially, we can't look and say, well, maybe we just did. Maybe No, this is a God thing. And we will forever Lord, point our fingers to heaven and say, God, look at what you did during that series of Connect. Thank you so much. We celebrate you. We love you so much. In Jesus' name.